This is Transit Unplugged, and I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today we continue our special series, Transit Unplugged in the United Kingdom. This episode, we interview Lewis Brencher, who is the Director of Communications for Transport for Wales, which is a not-for-profit company owned by the Welsh government. It was established to provide support and expertise to the Welsh government in connection to transport projects in Wales. In 2017, it procured the new Operator and Development Partner for the Wales and Borders Railway Franchise, under the powers delegated to the Welsh Government under the Government of Wales Act in 2006. We were able to visit their headquarters and talk to Lewis about what's going on in Wales and all their transport projects and rail. It's quite an interesting look into the transport history and what's going on for the future of transport in this part of the United Kingdom. All on this special episode of Transit Unplugged, Travels to the United Kingdom. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I am Paul Comfort and welcome to another special edition of Transit Unplugged, America's number one transit podcast and now an international version as this is a part of our series of our visit to the Great Britain and all the transit systems here in uh, in Great Britain, England and Scotland and now we're in Wales. So very excited to be in my uh, mother's homeland uh, of Wales and uh, Lewis Brencher is the Director of Communications for the Transport for Wales. Thanks so much for having me here in your offices. No problem, it's great to have you. Yeah, rode into car Cardiff Central, which is your main city's big uh, train station, mm-hmm. and uh, excited to be here with you today. Lewis, why don't we start off by just giving me some context of where we're at here in Wales and how it's related to people, you know, from, from North America sometimes think of it all as England, but I know it's not really just England anymore. Tell us how all that works. Yeah, so um, we're here in Wales, and uh, Wales is part of a, a sort of a family of nations within the UK. So we have a devolved government here in Wales, which means that the, the Welsh government have responsibility around certain areas of, of policy, including transport, which means that the, the Welsh government have been able to define and commit to sort of the investment and the development in terms of what we're going to be doing here um, to develop the transport network in Wales. So um, as, as you mentioned, we've got Scotland, England, Northern Ireland and Wales. All of them are part of the United Kingdom. Each of those different uh, regions and nations have their own devolved governments, but we're all part of the UK overall. So it's really important that we work closely together to make sure that people can still make journeys across those borders, but that we also have the ability to have empowered local um, devolved governments and national governments to still make policy closer to those people who depend on it. So what is Prince Charles to you? Isn't he the Prince of Wales? <laughs> so, um, yeah, Prince, Prince Charles is, is the Prince of Wales and he's got a close affiliation with Wales. He went to university in Wales and okay. his official title links him to Wales. Yeah. But I think one of the things that um, is different in Wales is the relationship with some of the, the, the UK institutions. So you'll find that um, politics is very different in Wales. So you'll find that there's a traditionally always been left-leaning governments in Wales. Uh, in England, it's a little bit more varied. Mm. And that's why you'll probably find that the policy in terms of transport is different in the UK 
or England as opposed to Wales. So the culture within Wales is very different. And, you know, we have our own language, which means that as you walk through Cardiff, which I'm sure you may have noticed, um, you'll see all of the signs of bilingual with Welsh language appearing first. Can you tell me, like, could you say something like, uh, thanks for having me on Transit Unplugged or something like that in uh, language? I can say, Croesoi Cardiff, Croesoi Gymru. What's that? Uh, which means welcome to Cardiff and welcome to Wales. Oh, okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So I can, uh, I can, I'm a, I'm a Welsh learner myself. <laughs> okay. And I think it's really important for people in Wales. And we feel really proud of our language. And it's something that we're trying to encourage more and more development and growth in. But uh, yeah, it's really, really, really prominent across Wales. And we have the law in place that encourages public sector bodies and transport organisations to ensure that we provide equal opportunity for people to interact with us both in Welsh and English. So oh, it's, it's a cultural yeah. thing, but it's also a really important legislative requirement on this okay. So one more, yeah, one more question just in general about, um, about how this works. You were telling me a minute ago, which I thought was interesting because I like government, mm -hmm. about how you set up your assembly mm -hmm. and when did all that happen, by the way? When did you kind of become an officially devolved government? So we actually just celebrated 20 years since the creation of the National Assembly for okay. Wales. So the National Assembly was set up as a devolved, um, essentially a devolved parliament for Wales, but it's very, very different in terms of the, the, the structure of it. So for example, the building itself is designed to generate more collaborative conversations and to reduce some of the, um, some of the more uh, conflicted type conversations that you might see in the UK Parliament where the benches are set up opposite each other that encourages a bit more... They um, shout at each other. A bit more shouty yeah, sort of debate. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all designed around trying to create collaboration. The voting system is different to the UK government election as well in that we have a first-past-the-post system but we also allow people to vote for parties as well. The idea behind that being that we create a bit more balance within the Assembly between the different political parties. Okay. A lot of that is linked to the fact that historically it was very... Welsh politics were dominated traditionally by the Labour Party in Wales and I think um, the policymakers at the time who set up the Assembly recognised that they wanted to create a bit more diversity in terms of the political parties hence why we've seen more variety in terms of the types of governments historically with, with more uh, more chance of coalition in, in the Welsh Parliament than traditionally would have been seen UK Parliament. And that's all about trying to broaden the conversation and get as many people involved as possible and try and make it a bit more positive and a bit more collaborative. Yeah, well thanks, that's a good five minute civics lesson. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what you do transport wise here. Give us a scale and scope of what uh, Transport for Wales does. So Transport for Wales as an organisation, as a wholly owned arm of the Welsh Government, we've been created to do three main things. So one is to deliver customer-focused services, one is to deliver expert advice, and the other is to deliver infrastructure investment. Okay. So what that means is, in terms of customer-focused service, that's about, at the moment, delivering a rail service for the whole of Wales and the borders. So in terms of the expert advice, this is about helping inform on policy. So we work closely with the Welsh Government to help provide advice to them than the policy that they develop, but it's also about working with local authorities, potentially the private sector as well, to make sure that we provide a really good evidence base for transport policies and the decisions that are made across Wales. So that looks like, for example, the creation of a transport model for South East Wales. A what model? A transport model. Okay. So this is a planning model that we can use to provide data and insight to those people that may want to invest in further infrastructure developments. And then the last element is around the infrastructure investment. So this is where we're going to be investing huge amounts of money in transforming the actual infrastructure that we operate to try and improve it, to make it a bit more of a, a modern service that, than we've previously been able to provide. So tell us about the, the actual services, rail, bus, and how all that works, how many people, and how you outsource it, or whatever. So in terms of the current responsibility for Transport for Wales, we recently um, procured a new rail service. 
So it, we've uh, let uh, a contract to um, Curious Amy, who are a global expert in terms of transport, and they operate under the Transport for Wales brand. And what, they, what is the second part of that name? I'm friends with all the guys at Keolis, but what's the Amy? So Amy is the infrastructure arm of it, essentially, and Amy oh, okay. is, a, is a, I think it's a global organization. That so they have like a consortium, they work with this other company? Yeah, so it's a partnership that was okay. created yeah. um, in order to be able, and the reason why the, the, the partnership was created was because we didn't just procure a traditional rail franchise, as you would normally see in the UK. Oh, okay. We procured for a rail franchise and an infrastructure Maintainer. The idea ah. being that we create a more vertical integration between who owns the tracks and who looks after the trains mm-hmm. to try and um, generate some efficiency, but also try and improve some of the innovation to yeah. allow us to do a little bit more. So what that looks like, for example, is an element of our network, which is called the Core Valleys Lines, will be changed from ownership from Network Rail, which is the current body that looks after all the track infrastructure across the UK and it's going to be transferred to the ownership of Transport for Wales, oh. which is quite innovative for the UK. Hasn't really been done for a lot, well, hasn't ever been done um, in terms of the current setup. And what that'll allow us to do is invest around 738 million in that section of track. Where are you getting that money from? So some of it is uh, Welsh government money. Okay. Some of it is what we call the city deal, which is a combination of different local authorities pooling money. There's some European money in there, some European regional development funding. And a lot of it is also linked to some of the capital that we've committed to via Welsh government as well. So there's a various various different funders that are involved in that. Right. But it, in total, it adds up to nearly a billion pounds worth of investment. That's which, neat. It's really exciting. Yeah. And overall, over the entire 15-year period of the contract that we've tendered, we've worked out there's going to be about five billion pounds worth of investment. So that's a huge, huge commitment from, from the Welsh government to yeah. really transform the transport network. For an area of how many people live in Wales? So we have around three and a half million people in terms yeah. of population, and uh, the geography of it is, is quite spread. So. We operate um, all of the services across the whole of Wales, but also the English borders as well. Okay. So the majority of the population is generally around the southeast of Wales, but we've also got population, you know, quite quite strong population centres around West Wales, but also along the North Wales coast and the Deeside area, which is the the sort of border region between North East Wales and sort of Merseyside Liverpool yeah. area. So one of the challenges that we've got as Transport for Wales is to make sure that all of the five billion that we're investing provides equal benefit or evenly distributed benefit across all of those different areas. Plus, we also need to think about how do we help support some of those more rural communities in parts of, say, Mid Wales, Mm -hmm. where traditionally there hasn't been much transport infrastructure. So we've got quite a broad remit and quite a big challenge to make sure that we develop the whole of Wales rather than just those areas where the population is based. That's interesting. So uh, tell us about the procurement process you use, which I thought was very interesting. You were telling me about it. So the model you're talking about of bringing a consortium in is Mm -hmm. one that in North America, a lot of cities are doing now. They want to see design, build, operate, and maintain Mm -hmm. for a longer term 15 to 30 year contract Mm -hmm. so that there's, and even finance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have a finance piece of it so that this company or this consortium has skin in the game, as Mm -hmm. they say. Mm -hmm. But how you procured this Mm -hmm. uh, was a little bit different, I think. So tell me about that. So the procurement process was probably one of the largest the Welsh Government have, have ever undertaken and they set up Transport of Wales specifically for that purpose and the way that we approached it was a little bit unique in that we used a concept called competitive dialogue which I think is quite common in terms of certain markets so IT procurement for example but it's not one that traditionally had been done in the UK in terms of transport previously essentially the, what that means is you get all of the different bidders in a room together you get you ask them to share their best ideas and then you come up with a pool of, of options based on the best options amongst all the different bidders and the way that we um, incentivized it was much more on quality than cost 
So traditionally, contracts would be let around a, a, a remit or a, you know, a specification, and bidders would be encouraged to bid against that specification with the best possible price. In Wales, we gave them what we call the funding envelope. So this was basically, we said, well, this is how much money we have to spend. Could give us the best possible quality submission based on, on that funding envelope. And we incentivized them to not overbid. So we didn't encourage them or, uh, and we set up certain mechanisms within it to ensure that we didn't ask people to do too much within the funding envelope. And we actually incentivized them to bid as close to our projections in terms of revenue as possible to try and make sure that we let a contract that was as stable as possible. And then you analyze that to make sure they weren't sandbagging, as we call it in the industry, which means offering you something that cost them $4 billion, but they're getting $5 billion from you. You figured out you did like engineer's estimates and things like that? Oh, yeah. So we had a huge yeah. amount of um, people that we brought in to support us within the consultation. We had teams and teams of consultants. I think the, the actual process took around two years as well. So it was, oh, wow. it was yeah. a hugely detailed process. We also did one of the largest public consultations that, we've, that has ever been done in Wales as part of it as well. So, yeah. so when you had these people sit in a room, are the competitor companies like saying out loud, here's what we will do? And so Keolis is listening to what TransDev is going to do or so, what? Um, there was quite a, a structure around it. So it was a very um, managed process. Okay, and I yeah. think most of the bidders, I think it's fair to say, were really, really positive in the way that they approached that and we ended up with some really really good quality bids I think the fact that it was innovative meant that I think it's a real credit to those bidders that they were quite open-minded about coming with us on that because it would have been quite unique in the transport industry in terms of the types of contracts they would have been used to bidding for in the UK yes but um, no it was a it was a closely managed process okay, that yeah. meant that because um, they're not going to share their secrets with each other no and I think um, it would have been something that they would have been very conscious of, but yeah. I don't think it undermined our ability to end up with what we think was a really good deal. So, so, so you got a $5 billion, 15-year, actually in American dollars, that's probably more like $7 billion yeah, because yeah. the American dollar mm -hmm. is like a dollar thirty to one pound. Mm -hmm. You all use the British pound, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about bus. Mm -hmm. now, now we've talked about rail. What's, what's happening mm -hmm. in bus here in Wales? So I think it's worth just giving a bit of context in terms of the bus industry overall. So across the UK, there's been a long-term declining trend in terms of bus patronage. Yes, just like in North America, by yeah, the way. So yeah, so it's a real challenge for um, the UK and the bus industry generally. And I think one of the things that um, governments across the whole of the UK have recognised that probably we need to do something a little bit different. The Welsh government has recently um, undertaken a big consultation on a white paper to look at change in the way that the bus market is operated within Wales. And I think, um, generally speaking, most people do recognise that there are some changes that are needed. I think one of the things that is important within Wales is the combination of understanding the needs of rural communities and some of the bigger conurbations as well. And ultimately, the variety of the different communities that operate within Wales means you have to have quite a flexible system. But the Welsh Government have done this big consultation. A lot of people have participated, particularly the bus industry, who have some really, really strong views on it. So we're hoping to get some outputs from that soon, which will allow us as Transport for Wales to help to deliver against some of those policy objectives that are set up by the Welsh Government. But the ultimate aim and objective is going to be around trying to increase in usage of bus, but also making sure that it's as integrated as possible with yes. all of the things that we're doing on the rail side. I think it's worth noting that Transport for Wales is set up very much as a, an integrated multimodal organisation. So the remit that we have at the moment is not just on rail, we have responsibility for something called active travel. I'm not sure whether you guys are would be aware of that concept, but there's a piece of legislation which has been implemented by the Welsh Government, which sets legal obligations on local authorities to try and encourage 
cycle routes, walking routes, to integrate with public transport networks. Mm -hmm. Part of our role as Transport for Wales is to help develop those networks, work closely with local authorities that advise on it and help guide some of the policy development of that as well. So we don't just look at bus, we look at other modes as well. Cycling is really important, but also we'll have a role in terms of encouraging the integration. So a big challenge for the UK at the moment, not so much London, where I think it, it works really well, but certainly in Wales, there's a lot of work to do to make it as easy as possible to travel across different modes and to have that interchange between bus and rail in a way okay. that is as seamless as possible. Yes. So again, that's part of our remit. And part of this top white paper and this consultation will hopefully allow us to move more quickly on some of, on some of the areas. We do have some exciting commitments. So we have lots of smart ticketing schemes that we're developing. We're involved already in the, the renewal of the bus concessionary pass scheme, which is where funding is provided to local bus operators, private bus operators, to allow free travel for certain groups of people, so older people, right. people with access Elderly people with disabilities. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so a lot of that exists, but when, the, um, when Transport for Wales becomes even more active in that area, then we'll, we'll see a real growth in terms of that, um, that uh, intermodal sort of interchange and seamless, seamless travel. And your organization was set up just three years ago. So it's kind of, you're, you're still in a uh, honeymoon phase or if it was, you know, the brand new startup and yeah. it's exciting. I haven't talked to anybody who like has just started a new authority like this mm-hmm. before. It's very, so like how many employees do you have? What's your budget? That kind of stuff, do you know? The number of employees has grown, has grown rapidly. So probably about 12 months ago, we had around about eight full-time employees. We're at about 80 now. 80, so, okay, yeah. I think all of them have walked through this room since Yeah, they've all, been, they've all been chatting, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we've, you know, we're at a rapid rate of expansion. I think one of the other things that we've done as part of the, the transfer from the previous operator to Transport for Wales Rail Services is we want to create a feeling of one family and one brand right mm-hmm. across all our different delivery partners. Right. So we've just recently, in October, transitioned 2,500 people who used to work for the previous operator into Transport for Wales Rail Services. So even though we, as a direct employee, we've seen a, a bit of an increase you know for the authority yes for on the operator which is also part of transport for wales we've incorporated two and a half thousand people so all of these people now feel advocates and part of this transport for wales family so you've got you know, i've been around the country uh, uh, great britain over the last week and you know the, the big ones are first group right arriva we go Keolis, right? And uh, so who's doing the bus service here for you? So we have a number of different bus operators in Wales. There's there's a few really big high-profile operators. So like First, Arriva, uh, Stagecoach. Stagecoach, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of um, smaller local operators. So okay. in, in mid-rural Wales, you'll see some much, much smaller companies. And they just come in and set up their own routes, right? They say, here's where I want to run, here's what I'm going to charge, and then you kind of build infrastructure for them. Is that the way it works? So there are, um, the, there's a traffic commissioner yes. organization which has responsibility for regulating certain elements of the bus right. market. We have something called a public service commission mm. a lot of times in America where they it's the same kind of role. Mm. They have to approve it. But yesterday when I was in Scotland, they were telling me that basically even though they have to approve it, they basically do. Mm-hmm. These companies can still basically do what they want, right? Yeah, and it's all around trying to you know, create innovative market, I guess, and trying to respond to demand. Yeah. Um, and they make a profit. Well, they run this, in theory, right? They run this route, there's no subsidy other than you're reimbursing them for the elderly and people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, in America, that's unheard of. I ran bus service in Baltimore with less than a 25% fare box recovery ratio. Wow. So there was a 75% subsidy. That's why the budgets here can be reasonable. I couldn't believe the service that was being provided in Glasgow for the amount of money. It was It was very minimal compared to what we used to have to pay because it's privatized. Yeah, so I think it, it's quite probably 
probably something that a lot of people would have probably various views on. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. But I, I guess Mar- Margaret Thatcher, right? She well, kicked this off in the so '80s I, and privatized everything. <laughs> I, I, I was probably in primary school at that point, yeah, yeah, so exactly. uh, I wasn't really aware yeah. of the detail. But I think the key thing for me is that whatever the current system is, and most people would recognise this, including the bus industry, there is a long-term trend of decline. So I think there is a recognition publicly that something different has to be done in order to try and stimulate some of that growth again and get back to where we want to be, which is to have a really, really fast-growing and successful bus market that that there can be you know, investment and mm-hmm. innovation in. I think the work that the Welsh Government is doing will help to try and create some of that more stability, I guess, is probably mm-hmm. a way to say it, and a bit more, a bit more potentially a bit more regulation in certain areas right. to make sure that um, we end up with um, you know, increasing demand and uh, growth in the market. Because the fundamental purpose of policy that the Welsh Government has outlined is around trying to reduce carbon emissions to try yes. and increase the number of 2021 goals, right, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately trying to get people out of their cars where, where possible, into buses, into and into trains. Is rail going up while buses going down? Have you found that? That's what I've heard elsewhere. So historically, there's been a huge growth in rail. Yeah. And I guess when the original, the previous operator was let on a 15-year franchise, which was done around 2003, and at that time, the trend was pretty static, possibly even declining in certain okay. areas. In the 15-year period of the last contract, we saw a huge growth, around 60% growth in demand, yes. which has probably created this position, fantastically exciting position now, where where the government have, have recognised that and are really excited about this level of investment yeah. for the next 15 years. So we've gone oh, from right. 400,000 in the previous contract in terms of capital commitment to nearly 5 billion. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's a, literally, and it's like a night and day in terms of where we are. I've ridden rail all over, by the way, since I've been here, you know, everything. And uh, you have a phenomenal rail system. I'm very impressed with it. The speed and the ease of which they operate. And, you know, you don't have to go through, uh, it's not like going through airport security when you come in. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd take an hour. This morning, I got on a two-hour train ride to come here from, from London at Paddington Station. And literally, it took me two minutes mm-hmm. to walk in and just go through, you know, Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a very efficient system. In North America, or in, in, in the United States, uh, there are only eight cities that have seen growth in bus service over the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've analyzed all eight of those cities, talked to their leaders, find out, and I've pulled together what I think are just three things. So for mm-hmm. what it's worth, if this is any help oh, to you. fantastic. Uh, yeah. uh, the first one is they've changed the routes. Mm-hmm. And you said next week you're gonna be doing your own rerouting. Mm-hmm. And they've tried to analyze where do people wanna to go today? Mm-hmm. It's not the same as it was five, 10 years ago mm-hmm. even. A lot of people want to go outside the central business district where the jobs are and other things. And so those routes have been re or every city that's that's had growth and ridership has changed their routes to take obviously it just makes sense. You gotta take them where they want to go. Exactly. Second, they've reduced friction. So they have um put in bus-only lanes, transit signal priority in the real congested areas of the city, mm-hmm. even reducing friction by adding, you know, making it smoother for people to do e-ticketing and all that, so there's not all this on the bus standing for two minutes at the fare box trying to get your day pass printed or whatever. Those are two of the real key areas. So mm-hmm. what are you doing along those lines to see uh, this increase? So one of the things I think that's that's been consulted on at the moment is looking at having um, what we were calling the regional um, transport authorities. So this is about how we, we um, potentially, and again, this is all consultation at the moment, we encourage the local authorities to collaborate across regions to try and, I guess, be a bit more strategic in terms of how some of the routes are planned. So that's something that's been suggested as part of the consultation. What about frequency? That's I didn't mention the third one. The third one is increasing the frequency of bus service to like less than 15 minutes on routes. Are you all looking at that? So um, we are, in terms of the current service that we provide as Transport for Wales, I guess 
in terms of bus, that would be the next step following on from some of this work. So we would be then looking at, as part of those regional transport authorities, they could potentially then define what they think are oh, some yeah. of the high level outputs needed yeah. in their areas. So I think that, that would be something that would be developed later down in the process. I think okay. understanding the overall governance around it first would probably be one of the first steps. Right. But again, you know, we, the outputs from that consultation will be informed by some of the responses they've had. So it'll be really interesting to see what that looks like yeah. when, that's, uh, when that's produced. The system here is uh, is bus and rail, are, are, and then you're also integrating in, you said, the bike lanes mm -hmm. and, and the pedestrian walkways and all yep. that stuff. Are there any other areas in which you're working? Yeah, so we've been asked by Welsh Government to look at how we can increase the, the number of um, electric vehicle charging points, for example. Oh, okay. So there's some really exciting work happening, looking at planning where those might go, how we would fund it, whether we can bring in private sector partners, for example, to help cover the cost of it. I guess because one of the things we have to recognise is that the car will still be the most important option for some people sure, in yeah. terms of access and therefore we can't be um, dismissive of those modes which are already hugely, hugely popular and I think something over like 90% of journeys in Wales are made by car. So if we want to achieve our aims, which is to try and reduce the carbon output of people who use our transport network, we have to think about how we can in integrate different types of car journeys within that. So, for example, making sure that we try and bring people onto the public transport network earlier on in their journeys. So looking at park and ride facilities, looking at how we can incentivize people through pricing and ticketing, looking at how we can nudge people out of their cars to make shorter journeys, or alternatively, when they do need to use their cars, making sure that we're providing the best options possible in terms of charging points and different things like that. So that's part of, again, part of the purpose of Transport for Wales, looking right across the remit of transport, not just in terms of rail and bus. Okay. Yeah, the whole, all of mobility. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, I think, what a lot of cities are doing now. Mm -hmm. Are you working into, in America, we've come up with a term called a mobility aggregator. So the city government or the transport authority is working on mobility as a service, where there'll be one app, and it might include taxi, it might include Uber, Lyft, it might include rental bikes, mm -hmm. all on one app. Are you all looking to do anything like Absolutely, that? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've already been remitted to produce something around integrated uh, responsive travel. So we are creating an app that will allow bus community transport operators, potentially taxis, all to a little bit like Uber, but with different operators under the Transport for Wheels banner to integrate across all different modes. So yeah, there's, these are all part of the, the sort of pipeline of developments for Transport for Wales. The technology piece is probably one of the most exciting areas. Mm -hmm. And I guess our opportunity as Transport for Wales is to sift up all of these different modes, all of these different operators and try and pull them together mm -hmm. into a way that makes it as seamless and as easy to access for consumers as possible. I think it was Leon Daniels from TFL a few years ago who famously refused to allow Uber into London, but that's all been lifted right right now, right? I mean, everywhere has Uber and Lyft and those kind of... Well, most most big cities, but yes. I think there's a, a lot of rural areas and towns that won't have it yet, but okay, as yeah. a concept, it's quite common across yeah. the UK. You know, yeah. Do you all have a board of directors here or you work yeah. for the government? Or so what? the way that we're governed is, so we're wholly owned by the Welsh government. So they, you, you're a private, non, you're a, I'm sorry, a public non-profit organization. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. we were created by the Welsh government, we're owned by Welsh government. They remit us and our purpose is to deliver on their objectives. So we are the delivery arm of Welsh Government, essentially, okay. in terms of transport. So we have a chair, we have a chief executive, we have a board of directors. We also work really closely with um, the executive team within the operator as well, which is Transport for Wales Rail Services. And we also work really collaboratively across local authorities as well. But ultimately, we are accountable to Welsh Government as our owners. Um, but we have our own board of directors as well who are responsible. And they're appointed by who? They're uh, appointed by Welsh Government. Like, so, like uh, your 
what you call him, your first minister? Does he appoint them? Or? Uh, our transport minister. Transport so we have Ken Skates okay. AM, who's the Minister for Economy and Transport. Okay. So we are delivering, he's, he's empower us to deliver on his behalf. Yes. And he's appointed who's Scott. Who's your CEO? Uh, Scott Waddington is our chair. Okay. James Price is our CEO. Right, yes. Now, um, that's how you work internally, I guess, to kind of uh, externalize this. How do you work with your neighboring jurisdiction transit systems to make sure you have that interconnectivity you mentioned earlier? So there's a huge amount of work we do to work across different networks and to collaborate with other with other um, regions. So we work with Mercy Travel, for example. Part of the work we're launching on Monday with our new timetable to create a direct service between North Wales and Liverpool is as a result of partnership working with us at Mersey Travel. And we also have memorandums of understanding with other authorities such as TFL. So okay. TFL have um, been really supportive of us in terms of getting established. So they're, they're able to provide advice and support in certain areas, which is which is really helpful. Similarly, you know, we work with all the other regions of the UK in terms of collaboration as well. We also work really closely with the UK Department of Transport as well. So we have agreements in place to ensure that English passengers who use Transport for Wales services have a voice and are able to influence some of the decisions we make via the UK Department for Transport as well. What about uh, intermodal ticketing? So if I if I ride, can I ride an, a connected service with the same ticket or is it just going to be on the app or how is that working? So that's absolutely part of our plans. So okay. we're six months in at the moment and we're already piloting smart cards within two areas, so the south and the north of Wales. At the moment they're only linked to rail, but the plan which we've got committed within our grant agreements is that we provide integrated ticketing. As for we, bus as to about. rail and yeah, also absolutely. other buses? Well, even potentially other modes as well. So it oh, might okay. be that potentially you could get cycle hire or LinkedIn, you know, other nice. modes. So, so we're really trying to be bold and ambitious in terms of how integrated it is. So bus and rail are hugely important and there's lots of work to do there, but we're looking at other modes as well that might be part of that. That's good. Let's finish it out with what the future holds in general. Mm-hmm. Where do you see this Transport for Wales? You've, you've really a new organization started three years ago by the Welsh government. Mm-hmm. You've already kind of consolidated mm-hmm. and let contracts mm-hmm. for your rail uh, as well as you're working with the bus providers. Where does it go over the next five years? So the contract that we've let is for 15 years mm-hmm. and there's some hugely exciting ambition within that. But aside from that, I think the long-term ambition is that potentially our remit grows. So Welsh Government are currently considering giving us more responsibility around the road network, for example. They're looking at whether we have more responsibility around bus. They've already remitted us around active travel and around things like creation of transport models. So as we expand and as confidence grows in terms of us as an organisation, we will become more empowered to make changes and improve across all these other modes with the, uh, with the, I guess, a really ambitious and confident government supporting us as well. But I think the long-term ambition for Transport for Wales is a little bit like, I guess, TFL, where we become a sort of a respected and a, a, an integral part of the fabric of Welsh life and that we become a, a brand that people are really proud of. So just in the way that you go to London, you see the underground sign, it becomes intrinsically yes. part of London. Yes. The T Randall, which is our iconic brand, we want that to become a, a real quality mark and a real part of the fabric of Welsh life so that we become synonymous so that's Great. the long-term vision. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing it with us today, and we wish you the most success as you go forward. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.